From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Day in Las Vegas. Vegas Golden Knights running out of time to put together a winning streak here and get back on the right side of the playoff bubble. Willie Ramirez is down at T-Mobile at the Fortress. Willie, what's it like down there a couple hours before the game? Well, as we speak, it's, uh, you know, inside they're warming up. The, uh, the dance team, the cheer team, they're practicing. So you, you kind of go through the warm-ups inside. On the outside, as we're walking in, usually, um, you know, they, they, they gather outside. There's booths set up. There's a DJ out there. They put on a show at some point. But the hype sort of gets going, and, the, and the, uh, as they call it, the VGK cast. It's a little party going on in the plaza. So even if you're not coming in the arena, you know, uh, and you're going to watch it nearby at, at one of the establishments or a, or a nearby Casino, sportsbook, whatever. Um, there's always a party going on before then, and then they do the march to the fortress, as they call it, with the with the drum line and the vivas and the the golden bells and everybody, and they then they come in and and then it just starts getting loud and crazy. And um, our guy Game Day Bruce, the PA announcer, gets everybody hyped up, and the second they hear that horn and the, and and the song plays and they hit the ice. It's on, and the energy and the electricity begins. And let me tell you something. Maybe Monday, but in this arena, it is game day, and they are going to need all the electricity they can possibly get. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. So Knights are a 350 favorite tonight. We'll get to VGK in the playoff race, number one in the Big Five. Our Las Vegas Ace is certainly a favorite to get into the playoffs. Yeah. But now it's time to go next level. They just spent a boatload of money bringing in Becky Hammond. Addition by subtraction on the roster with their center gone to L.A. There's a little bit of pressure on this franchise. They've been there, but they haven't gotten over the top. Who's the pressure on? I personally think that the pressure is going to be on Becky Hammond, and I don't mean it in a way where she walks into her first year on the job as on the hot seat. Um, I, I just think that she's thrust into this position because it made such a big noise, right, in, in terms of, well, if she makes this move to the WNBA, then it gives up all hope of her eventually being a head coach in the NBA. That was sort of the noise we heard when, when the rumors started surfacing. So in, in that respect, she comes and she takes over this franchise that has somewhat been in the spotlight um, since it moved from San Antonio, and it got three straight number one draft picks. It's had some big names come and go, and now you have who has moved in position to become the face of the franchise. There are so many still stars out there that are still part of this league that it's so hard to say Asia Wilson solely is the face of the franchise. But, I mean, you talk about representation on every level. You couldn't ask for a better person than Asia Wilson on and off the court. She's such a great person. So the, the, the dynamics of this team, 
um, the talent that's on this team. I just think that Becky Hammond's but it, but now that being said, in, in putting the pressure on her to perform in her first season, I think that she is up to task. I remember when she came in, Steve, you covered basketball in this town for a long time. She came in, and she was the coach of the summer league team, and they won the title. So she's been in positions of pressure, if you will, and I think she'll handle it well. And I think that uh, I think you know I'm not predicting the championship, but I think that they're going to make the playoffs. And I think once you get in the playoffs, it's anybody's game. Um, and I you know if they stay healthy, they certainly have a chance to win. And I will say that Aces games are exciting. Willie has a league. Yeah, I wonder if it's a goal, and frankly, much needed. If the league can get salaries up high enough to dissuade players from playing internationally, obviously the Brittany Griner thing is worst case scenario. I right. guess it could be worse. Um, is there some movement where that's not going to be a priority, you know, for a lot of these athletes to go and, you know, try to make up for lack of WNBA salary by playing overseas? Well, it was part of the collective bargaining agreement, and that begins next season where prioritization toward the WNBA will be in effect. And what that means is that if you go overseas, you have to be home and at your training. You have to be at the um, you have to be at day one of training camp. <laughs> Otherwise, you are suspended for the season. Outside of being a rookie or a second year player, um, they are exempt from that. So, uh, from my understanding, that goes into effect. And basically, veterans, if you will, third year players are on. That falls right into their lap, so you there will be no longer, and that's going right. to put a but crimp. What, but what does that think? Think about it. Yeah. What does that mean? Because in the story, Brianna Stewart talks about you know being eligible for the supermax WNBA salary of two hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars. Right. She makes one point five million, million. Yes. overseas. If if I'm Brianna Stewart, I'm like, okay, here's your priority right back in your face. Well, and we I'm not playing it. in the WNBA. And we've seen it happen. We we saw Diana Taurasi take a season off. We've seen Maya Moore take it off for a, uh, a completely different reason, but she took it. So these players don't have a problem in taking it off because, and these are players that are making and their their worth. Their net worth is still a million. It's just that they're not getting it from the league. They're getting it through endorsement deals and appearances and things that other things are doing because of sort of their own personal brand that they have built, but they would like the respect of being able to make it to the WNBA. But when you can go overseas and Russia has paid big money for these ladies and their talents, it's hard to say no. The The, the question is going to be whether or not these teams you know, abroad elsewhere are going to be allow them to leave or if you get these star power players that can go make a million plus dollars elsewhere come home and still fulfill their endorsement deals and don't need to make 150 to 200 thousand dollars in the WNBA you're going to see some players sit out and not worry about it number four pretty cool story with beast mode Marshawn Lynch Taking some ownership in the NHL with the Kraken. So now 35-year-old Marshawn Lynch, a Kraken owner, an NFL PA, chief brand ambassador. Yeah. Also has his own apparel brand. He owns part of a cannabis company. He's got equity stake in a couple of leagues, including indoor football. And then he's got deals with uh, 
BetMGM and Fanatics and Skittles. This is working out pretty well for Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, and the interesting thing, if you read some of the stories, is Lynch isn't just doing this as an investment. Like he has made he he is beyond a financial interest. He's vested as a person. He's made it a point to say he wants to be part of the NHL's Hockey is for Everyone campaign, which we hear about it every single season since the Golden Knights arrived here. They they have these different campaigns throughout the season, uh, causes that they play for, um, and then they promote them on their broadcast. But he has also said that he's expressed an interest in shadowing the upper management to see the ins and outs of how a hockey CEO's operation works, the day-to-day of the upper management. He wants to know and learn. And I think that was an impressive part of this is not just, hey, you know, hockey's catching on and it's a lot of fun. This is the new franchise. He loves Seattle. And so he wants, you know, and McLemore, uh, rapper McLemore, he's also vested in this. But the fact that Marshawn Lynch, wa- Marshawn Lynch wants to be a part of a lot of these other things that involve being an owner or being in the management of a team. And I thought that was something that stood out beyond just investing. Number three. Well, you knew this was going to come to a head. Now that Devontae Adams got upwards of $29 million a year, Kyrie Hill, $30 million a year. You know, we were talking Cardinals with one of the guys who covers the Cardinals and their draft and their need for some young receivers. Now that Christian Kirk was taken by the Jaguars for $18 million a year. Well, there's other dudes who are up here for contracts soon, including Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, who now all appear to be willing to sit out the first of those off-season programs until they get a new contract. And can you blame them when the money has been handed out to the tune of, like I just said, 18 to $30 million for some of the top receivers? Yeah, and I mean, you're going to see that. It's going to happen all the time. It just happens. It just happens that the person that they're pointing at is the newest Las Vegas Raider, the newest big name of the Las Vegas Raiders. But I mean, earlier today we heard about Denzel Ward and 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 driving the price up for for defensive backs, right? All I right, mean, but, so, but 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 right. Defensive backs, yeah. Offensive linemen, mm-hmm. edge rushers, and quarterbacks are now the guys who make the money. Now things have changed a little bit. With wide receiver. Does that mean the whole league has to react to the pay scale that's been set up at no. the low end? And it's not low, but the low end. Like, everyone's looking at Christian Kirk, and they're like, Christian Kirk? Look at me! Right? Is the whole league going to follow suit? Because I think it's a dangerous path to go down. I don't think that the league has to react to anything. I think it's if, it's, if the players want to sort of follow the path and challenge that in saying, well, he got this. You better be sure that you can match that talent. You better be sure you're worth it. So, I mean, whether you're an offensive guard or a star-wide receiver or a quarterback, whatever it is, the market, they're setting the price. And right now, that's what we're seeing. Do, does the NFL have to react to that? Absolutely not. Can they put, like we saw with Derek Carr, clauses in the contract and, and make sure that they have a way out? I think we're going to see a lot more of that, right? Derek Carr got what he wanted in a nice big fat contract, and he's going to be playing with his college buddy, but 
the Raiders can opt out of that. So the same thing can be said for any of these position players when they're challenging for these bigger contracts to match other players that are signing bigger contracts. Doesn't mean that the NFL and the teams themselves have to abide by it and get sucked in for long-term contracts. I think you're going to see some of them buying into it, but I think you're going to see a lot of contracts like we saw with Carr where, hey, we can opt out also. $25 million a year, Debo Samuel. You doing it? No. Why not? I just don't think that he's proven that he is worth $25 million a year. I don't, th- I don't know if he's above that. I mean, uh, if he's above the $20 million mark, I, I, you know, at this point. Uh, I don't know if I'm signing him for that. I don't, I, I, I'm not top of my head. No, I don't think that he should be demanding. I don't think he's worth demanding that. A.J. Brown, I'll say no for both of us. That's not going to happen. And Terry McLaurin's in such a weird position because he's with such a pukey franchise. I would actually use this to get the hell out. Yeah, that would make sense, especially a team that's in a in a financial controversy. On top of that, like that dude is kind of an unknown great player. Last two years, 164 catches, about 2,200 yards receiving. Nine touchdowns. Those don't sound awesome, but consider who's been playing quarterback the last couple of years for the Commanders, Redskins, football team. It's been a, a pretty motley crew of QBs in Washington. Top two. Number two. So Derek Carr did sign a Raiders-friendly deal. He's guaranteed $32.5 million. They can move on after next season. So, you know, none of that 141 stuff. $32 million is... Guaranteed. He said it. I want to make sure that we can keep the uh, the band together, keep the guys together. Yep. What do you think of the deal, which was very organizational friendly? It's very organizational friendly, and it sets Derek Carr up to have to prove himself. And he has to come out. He, he's basically set the table. And he has said, okay, I'm going to make way for this team to be able to, as you said, keep the band together, quoting him. But – I believe that he is fully capable of proving to this franchise this season that he is a winner and can take this team to the playoffs and overcome all the outside noise of Denver with Wilson, the Chargers getting, you know, and all their offseason acquisitions, and, of course, the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are actually going to – I think we're all going to be surprised. and They're going to struggle this season. I don't think they're going to be as powerful as everyone. What's what's struggle? I think they're going to struggle to win another AFC West title. I think they're going to be in the playoff line. I think all four teams are going to be in the playoff, you know, down the stretch, but I don't think the Chiefs are going to look like the dominant AFC West team that we've seen. I think that the the, the rest of the division is catching up to them, and I think that, uh, you know, Mahomes, as great as he is, team, you know, the defense is a figure. Pete, how many years in a row, especially since the Raiders have been here or announced they were coming, have they said, okay, you got to build your team and with a defense thinking you have to beat Patrick Mahomes? Well, that's what these teams are doing. So they're catching up. Now, with Derek Carr improving, I think that he can do it this year for specific reasons. We've seen his numbers over the years. Okay. We've seen that he's been competitive. Two seasons ago, their first year in Vegas, it was the defense that flopped and blew it down the stretch. 
His offense was doing fine. They were winning games. They lost three games inside the final minutes in an overtime game. Okay? Last year, I mean, do we need to go over everything that took place last year and how he still led that team and him and Hunter Renfro without his number one guy from the previous years with Darren Waller and what he did? Now he's got his college way. Now, I will say this. He has no excuses. Stay healthy. Get an offensive line. And he can do it. I believe that he can do it. But he has no excuse. There's no more excuses left. They've got a new coaching regime in there. They're starting starting fresh. They're hitting the ground running. And now it's his time. Number one. Willie did Saturday at Edmonton kill the final chance for the Vegas Golden Knights to make the playoffs? No. Because as I said earlier... Um, the biggest expectations in the three-game road trip to Canada was they would have liked to have gotten a point from every single game, but the reality was I think everybody expected them to lose in Calgary. Regard, I mean, they're, that was, they're, they're the best team in the Pacific Division. You expected to get points out of the other two games. It just kind of flopped. They lost to Edmonton the way you thought they were going to lose to Calgary. They beat Calgary the way you're supposed to beat Vancouver, and they lost to Vancouver in overtime. So they this this is it. It's, this, this is it. Is it. If they, I'll tell you what. If yep. they lose tonight to your hometown team, then you can ask me that question tomorrow, and I'll say they're done. Even though they're not done officially, they're done. They have to win this game, and they got to win it convincingly. Do you feel good about my Hurricanes BGK two-teamer paying one, minus 167? Tonight? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah! Yes. Yes. Watch the Knights win and the Hurricanes screw me at the Coyotes. <laughs> By the way, I never make bets parlays like that. I know I don't I don't bet parlays, but I figured I'd try it because JVT told me to. Um suggested it was a guaranteed winner. He didn't do that, but I wanted some action tonight. So right. the Knights better deliver as a minus three fifty favorite. Here's the thing. They've had their share of games like this that they have lost this year, and that's why. I want It's really to- one of the primary you can blame injuries. But there are some games against some lousy teams where they didn't show up. That's right. And a couple of points here here or there, and they should be in the mid-90s pushing 100 for points. And instead, they're sitting at 87. I want you to put a little something-something on the over in the first period, a la our boy Dave Koken. I like the Golden Knights overs in the first period. They're usually sitting at uh, one and a half. So you just need two goals. And I can see the Golden Knights coming out firing tonight. Firing, I should say. Especially coming off a shutout loss. They're going to come home, respond well, and the total's going over in the first period. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Yeah, we got to regroup. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about this. We knew we weren't going to run the table. We talked about that two weeks ago. We were going to drop some points along the way. Uh, we're still right in the thick of things and short memory and get ready for the next one. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Running out of time, Pete. Running out of time. Got to win this one tonight. Devils in town, 7 o'clock start. Willie is over at the Fortress there. Nice and early, getting ready for the tilt. We're here in the Finley Toyota 
Studios. A little more VGK towards the end of the hour, of course, for a full coverage. Flip over right now to Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM is uh, RTHG, and the folks on uh, Fox 1340 are getting you ready for the game. Very interesting day today, Willie, for running Rebel basketball. It's been pretty quiet with the transfer portal. Uh, they were reportedly, according to players, which, uh, again, I throw it out there that way because um, – just because an initial call is made to a player, uh, I don't know that that means that there's a heavy recruitment of the player, right? So UNLV's popped up on a lot of lists because I think they've been inquiring about a lot of players. Well, the most public ones they haven't gotten, they got a kid named Jackie Johnson III a couple weeks ago from Duquesne, a sophomore to be averaged just under 10 points a game at Duquesne. Well, today they got a couple of Elijahs. They got a guard from Colorado who uh, sounds like a defensive specialist two years ago. He was on the Pac-12 all-defensive team. Uh, this last year he got in 17, 18 games, averaged about seven points a game for Colorado, and then hurt his foot and missed the end of the season. So he committed earlier. He announced that. And then they got another Elijah, Harkless, a kid who was also rounding into really good form with Oklahoma uh, he was averaging, I think, his last five or six games before he went down with an injury in mid-February. He was averaging about 14 points a game during that final run, including I think his last game was 19 against Texas. Uh, 6'3 kid, a little bigger in terms of, uh, you know, brute, uh, pushing 200 pounds. So they land those guys, but then a couple hours later, they find out that one of their prize recruits uh, from the high school ranks, really their only high school commit, Willie, to this point, Kyron Lindsay, who's been on board since September, decommitted. He was very tight with Carlin Hartman, who moved on to Florida. So you put two and two together, we'll see where he lands. So kind of an up and day down, or up and down day, up and day down, up and down day for Kevin Kruger and his staff, which, by the way, they just added a, a new assistant, John Cooper, who was uh, at SMU. So we'll see what they come up with. There's still plenty of time. There are a lot of players uh, in the portal. Uh, more players are going in by the day. We saw late last week that Grant Sherfield of Reno went in. So I would think at this point their primary focus would be on wings, depending on what's going to happen with Donovan Williams. And that's you know that could be 50-50 if he comes back or decides to go to the NBA. And then uh, they've really got to concentrate on getting bigger up front. They need some more bigs. I, I thought – one of the things that stood out to me, and we talked about earlier about this, is you know him bringing in guys that can play the certain roles, and I think that's probably why he lost that recruit. In addition to, you know, um, being Hartman's guy, Carlin Hartman's guy, but is the Big Twelve transfers that are following Kruger to UNLV. I mean, he has seen a you know some fluidity there. Right. Right. Last season, he had how many? One, two, three. I think four came from the Big 12 conference? Correct. And, and, and they're all guys that he recruited. Right. You know, so, not, that, not that he got them, but all guys that he recruited, or at least is aware of in the case of Harkless, maybe not so much in terms of being recruited, but the other guys, you know, they and, and he did tell, he was on last week with us, he did tell us that that is one of the things, you know, if they've already been in the recruiting process with some of the players, mm. then it makes them a little more comfortable. And I, I Again, and I go back to what I said earlier, is in trying not to look too much engaging in what they did in their previous roles. You know, Harkless wasn't necessarily an offensive 
genius over there. You know, he, he wasn't offensively brilliant, if you will. Well, he, averaged, with, he, averaged ten, he averaged 10 points a game in the Big 12, and like I said, he was getting a little stronger. Yeah. I mean, I would say of all the guys they've gotten so far, he has the best chance at being, and he has to because I think this is it for him, um, he has the best chance at walking in and being a somewhat reliable scorer. Well, and I think that that's – I think they need – Right, they're gonna they're going to need at both ends of the court. They're gonna need somebody who they're or they're gonna need several people who can spot up shoot, that can come come into the game and, and spark the lineup, but you know, they have to replace obviously Bryce and they need to be able to have have consistency, whether it's one person or let's say one of three, where somebody's stepping up. But as you mentioned, they're they're certainly grabbing guys or Kruger's grabbing guys and his staff is recruiting with guys with defensive backgrounds a little bit that that's also going to keep the opposition off the board because, you know, I think that that's one thing that UNLV has had some trouble with is when they're playing decent games, their defense is letting them down. So they have to they have to get balance at both ends of the court. So I think the mindset is to bring in some defensive guys but, you know, establish their roles in, in what they can do and how they can contribute with what he's trying to put together. Update on the Sixers game coming up in just a couple minutes and uh, more reaction to Kyrie Irving and the stupidity yesterday of him firing a middle finger at the Boston crowd. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. Irving looking, seven to shoot. Irving step back three, puts it in! You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. First NBA game of the day, Philly up on Toronto, 59-48, moving towards the end of the first half as the Sixers are led by Joel Embiid with 19. Willie Ramirez is getting ready for the VGK game. He's hanging out down at the Fortress Cofield here. In the Finley Toyota Studios. You know, this Kyrie Irving middle finger thing is a little weird to me. I guess I'm not shocked that people always go contrarian and back the player. And you know, on this show, we're mostly pro-athlete, pro-the player. But we played Stephen A. Smith's reaction to it, essentially saying, hey, you know, if they were giving him negative energy, yeah, fire it back at him. I don't think the NBA wants to be in the business of having its players making stupid gestures at the crowd. And we know. We know NBA crowds can be vicious. We know Boston crowds can be vicious. There's also an especially unique challenge in this whole thing with the fans' relationship with the players, Willie. There really is no sport where the fans have access that close to the participants. Well, I want to touch. I want to just say one thing, touch because you, you, you know, in terms of bringing the negative injury and responding to it, because we had talked about it earlier in the show, and JVT brought something up, and I'm not sure if he was listening earlier, commenting on what I said, or he, or this is just a number of people are saying it, but what, in talking about the kids and what they're seeing, I agree with JVT. Kids see and hear. They obviously hear and see what's being said in the audience, but they're not paying tickets to come and see the people that are in the audience. And what I was trying to convey earlier was not just about Kyrie, but just what you just said. The NBA 
doesn't want that appearance. And I think that there is somewhat of a, you know, representation that you have to abide by that and how you have to act. And, no, you don't have to take a mental and verbal abuse from people. Absolutely not. But in the middle of a nationally televised game, in a sold-out arena, in a playoff, and you're the center of attention and you are who you are, I, I think it matters. And I don't think that that is something that, you know, this is it, – it somewhat puts a tarnish on their brand. He represents the brand. He doesn't just represent himself or his team. He represents the entire brand. So it is not a good look. Um there's nothing you can do about these idiotic fans that want to shoot or, or shoot, shout, um, cuss words. and. Well, the, no, the, but the, there is something you can do. Security is all over the arena. That's, if security yep. hears language that is out of control, then give them a warning, and then they That's go. Be, be a little more vigilant on that front. Yep. With security, and don't put the players in a position where they feel like you know it's nineteen thousand five hundred against one. As Kyrie Irving explains here, I don't buy his explanation, but here's an explanation. Where I'm from, you know, I'm used to all these antics and people being close nearby. You know, it's nothing new when I come into this building. What it's going to be like, but it's the same energy they have for me, and I'm gonna have the same energy for them. And it's not every fan. I don't want to attack every fan, every Boston fan. But when people start yelling, be a bitch you and all this stuff is but so much you can take uh, as a competitor and um, you know we're the ones expected to be docile and be humble and take a humble approach nah f- that's the playoffs this is what it is you know I, I've I know what to expect in here and it's the same energy I'm giving back to them so he says multiple times I know what to expect well then act like it uh, secondly you're not going after every fan well they don't know no one can discern who you're firing the middle finger at keep going Kyrie it is what it is I'm not really focused on it it's fun you know what I'm saying? Like, like again, this, where I'm from, I, I've dealt with so much. So coming in here, it, you relish it as a competitor. And, and this is, uh, you know, I'm going to keep repeating myself when I say again, but this isn't my first time in TD Garden. So what you guys saw and what you guys think is as entertainment or the fans think is entertainment, all is fair in competition. So if some somebody's going to call me out of my name, I'm going to look at them straight in the eye and see if they really about it. Yeah, Most of the time they're not. That's uh, that's not the way it works. And what if they're really about it? What you want to fight them? Is that is that what we want to set up? Is players get to fight fans or multiple fans get to rush the floor and attack the players because there is no fence. And really, really, this is the fault of Kyrie Irving for overreacting, and it's the fault of animals in the crowd cussing at him. They shouldn't be doing that. I love what uh, Shaq and Barkley said. Like, bro, you keep saying. You've been there. You know this. Well, all of us have dealt with this. Cut it out. Listen, it happens to the best of us. You don't think people said stuff to Charles Barker, said stuff to, to Akeem Olajuwon? Uh, yeah, come on, man. Please stop, man. Yeah. Chuck yeah. got it from his home fans. Hey, most, man, uh, most of the fans are amazing. Yeah. Someone's going to uh, say some rude stuff. Please man, stop uh, it, you athletes today, whining like little. Bill Russell went through it early on. Come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, man. Up. Yeah, and then you get... Those guys in the position, which I, it always amazes me how many times athletes who are you know, 55, 52, act like they're 80, and they're like, athletes today. But Kyrie is serving it to him on a plate, Willie, by acting like this. Right. So what do you think that those fans are going to do in game They're going to be two? crazier. They're yeah. going to be crazier. And as a reaction, Kyrie Irving actually has to listen to someone, take some advice, stop punching down, be an adult, it's bad for business, you're throwing gas on a potential fire that could blow up with someone coming on the floor, like, you know, he's like, well, they're not about that. I don't know. There could be some friggin' 
MMA lunatic, you know, 6'4 guy who wants to come and beat your ass. Maybe he does it. Um, I like. I actually liked what Richard Jefferson said. I know people, as soon as you bring up what about the kids, people get annoyed and they want to push back. But listen to what Richard Jefferson, the you know former NBA player, is saying here. There's a responsibility when you're an athlete. Respect Kyrie, and I understand his intensity, but there's kids back there. Now, mind you, that is not your responsibility, but the minute you do that, there are little kids back there that aren't doing anything. Now, while there are fans back there saying these things, that's out of your control. You control what you can control on the court and off the court. So to do that and to have like kids sitting behind you, and you saw in that video, there was a kid reaction like oh my god like we can't meet as players we can't meet the fans energy the same way i love it we can't meet the fans energy the same way here's jefferson saying one more time it's not professional you saw what trey young did in the garden where the whole crowd was doing everything you know what trey young did trey young took a bow Trey Young took a bow, and Trey Young hasn't even been in the quarter of the situations that Kyrie has been when you're talking about intense basketball. So I understand that this is going to be an emotional situation for Kyrie and even Boston fans, but ultimately Kyrie has to be better. Fans have to be better, but I just implore all players to understand that when you're reacting, you're not just reacting to that fan. You're reacting to the kids, the women, all the men that are sitting around there that are innocent bystanders, and I just don't think that's positive for our league. Yeah, and so going back to there a kid being there and going back to my point and going back to your point in terms of in as the gas on the fire and inciting something what happens when tempers flare get out of control malice in the palace style and all of a sudden fans are rushing the court or one or two and players are looking to defend themselves or security guards are coming in to deflect and a kid gets trampled then what happens so point being you have to show control from the NBA standpoint, and to your point, Steve, security has to start stepping in and protect the players from the mental and verbal abuse that they're taking because there's really no place for it. You can shout. You know what? You can shout, you suck! Make a basket! But when you start yelling cuss words and throwing gestures and you're 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 intensifying the interaction and then you're feeding into it and giving it back to them it's just growing and growing and growing now this has to take place again in game two and they're gonna go after him and as long as security doesn't do anything it could get worse i will repeat kyrie irving saying i've been in this situation i know what to expect well then don't react as an infant i mean there was another shot of him he's running in the bowels of the arena I don't know who yelled at him or where it came from, but you know, someone yells, "You know, Kyrie, you suck!" And in front of a bunch of like everyone else around, didn't yell at him. I don't, I don't know if there were women around or kids, you know, near the locker room. And he turns around and he's like, "Suck my D!" Like, what are we doing here? What I, are we doing here? That's what I'm saying. Is that totally unnecessary? So someone yells that, and here's the thing, dude, you're getting paid millions of dollars. You know, you don't suck. You know you don't. Stop punching down. This is the reaction they want. And now I'm curious to see. I mean, really, when when guys are making as much as Kyrie Irving makes, and he already he already showed the willingness, you know, with his uh, his vaccination stuff. That I mean, money's important, but it ain't that important if he has to miss games because that's what he believes. He'll miss games. And what could you actually find him that it would even matter? What, no. what does Adam Silver do? 
Well, you have to talk to him and reprimand, I think, first and foremost, and, and explain to him, hey, we appreciate and we respect where you're coming from. We know that you, you know, you obviously were raised a certain way and grew up in a certain way where you don't stand for that. You don't sit around and stand for it. But this is a different situation. I mean, you just you just don't do it. I mean, you know what I mean? You, you, I mean, Steve, you and I are old school guys. We, we grew up. You grew up in a tough neighborhood, and you, know, you grew up in New Jersey. I'm, I'm from Las Vegas. I went around the streets and everything. I mean, I I remember the days of where you, you you mouthed off to the wrong person. You caught a backhand, no matter who you were or where you were at in public. Well, I can't do that to you know. So if I don't like what some young up and coming journalists and these you know eager beaver people in, in this industry, I you know people I don't like. I don't like what they're saying. I just kind of laugh at them, shrug it off, and, and move. Move on, but if I started backhanding all the people that, you know, that are a little snippety uh, people in this, then uh, I mean, I, they're just not going to go. I can't just go. Well, this is where I come from. This is how we handle it. Well, you better get Willie now. He's got a bad knee. Once this knee's operated on, he's about two weeks away from it'll be just go two, out there and this beat week. your ass. This week, I'm going under the knife. Yeah, I know you're going. Under. I'm saying, and yep. about, about a week oh, yeah. after that, you can start throwing right crosses again and leg kicks. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, Willie. We sprinkled in some college basketball today, talking about the Rebels and transfer portal and. They're uh, stud freshman decommitting in Chiron Lindsay, uh, Las Vegas, Julian Strother, Gonzaga. What's going on with him right now? So today he announced that he's declaring for the NBA draft, but, you know, I think this is a move that many hopefuls that are projected somewhere in the second round, I'm guessing that they have to make, um, you know, in terms of a strategy session. If you're not guaranteed first round pick, first round money, um, you got to sort of send a message to the NBA teams that you're serious and that you are, you know, up for the uh, a workout. They bring you in, you do a workout, you get some feedback from the GMs, the scouts, so on and so forth. And I'm sure that you know, considering his role with Gonzaga, that they've already somewhat given feedback as to where he could go, um, how high. And also, they have to put in perspective the role that he played with Gonzaga in his sophomore season. For as well as he did, the handcuffs had to have been on him a little bit here and there because you got guys like Timmy, you got guys like Holmgren, and they're going to be Mark Few's go-to guys, whereas Julian may be the third, fourth choice in certain plays that are drawn up. Where there are plays that he's dishing off, passing off, he could have pulled up and... You know, who knows where his averages would have went. At this point, with his talent level where he's at, the muscle he's put on since he arrived there, um, it I'm, I'm guessing it's a strategy session. Um, he's got till June 1st, I would imagine, until he can either say he's returning or say he's going to, you know, move forward and, and announce signing with an agent, however that works. Um, but at this point right now, he announced that he's, you know, declaring for the NBA draft and good for him because if he can – Feels that he can put his toe in the water and and feel it out here for whatever it is, a month and a half, and see um, what kind of money he can make. Why wouldn't you? Stick your hand in there, Dave. Grab bag on a Monday. 
Willie down at the Fortress. My man Jesus just walked in. Did you see the short video I sent you on TMZ of DJ Khaled running on the floor, trying to take a three, which is not unheard of. But, you know, going back to the Kyrie Irving discussion, frankly, whether you're a celebrity or not, you probably shouldn't be running on the floor during warm-ups. And I loved – well, I mostly loved it. I actually think the security guard who came across – yeah. Kind of lazily with a hand up, like threatening to block the shot. Like, go and block the shot. I and then, of course, and then he, he would have saved DJ Collett <laughs> from embarrassment because then he misses the three, airballs it, and then he waddles off the floor. I don't know if he was necessarily trying to block it, like like jokingly, like in a defensive manner, yeah. as much as he was just saying no, 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 because he not only afterwards, DJ Collett turned around and hurriedly walked off, like the, 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 he, it was almost like he was escorted right off the yeah. floor. And this is a guy who, I mean, he's on the Miami Heat broadcast. He's, I mean, he, he's all, you know, he became so pop. I mean, he, everyone knew who he was music production-wise. But in terms of, you know, when Snapchat started taking off, I mean, this dude was, he was always snapping right from the games and the players coming over and getting on his Snapchat and so on and so forth. So, I mean, a popular figure, and he... <laughs> He just decided he's, hey, this is my house. I can do what I want. And he walked on the floor. But security escorted him right off. So, you know, uh, there's been some trash talk. It started with Damon on Q's show about being able to play basketball. And then the, uh, the the lanky nerds on the press box responded. Ed's the only one I have any respect for from a basketball standpoint because I've seen Ed play. And Ed can play a little bit. Uh, you've seen that trash talk. So who is the DJ Khaled of Q's show? Who's going to be the guy who goes out there and chucks air balls from three? Oh, gosh. You're, you're just set, you, why are you setting me up to dog somebody? I know well, who are I you want gonna, to. Are you going to go after your boss, Q, or will you go after your lifting buddy, Damon? It's a tough choice. You mean it's one of those two only? Well, those are the two guys on the show. I don't know. What are we going to start? What are we going to bring in? Paloma? I mean, what are we going to well, bring no, in no, a regular no, no, guest? No, 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 but you said I thought over oh, on that network because I know who I would say off that network. Well, I don't. I don't. I think this is a show by show thing. Oh, just show I don't by think this show. Is a station okay. by station because clearly we're not oh. al- we're not aligned with the uh, the press box and their uh, analytics non basketball playing Okay, ability. then someone that's just going to walk gosh man this is this is terrible because you know I just got done saying about saying the wrong thing and catching the backhand and I wouldn't want to catch a right cross from Demon but Demon you know I mean Demon looks more like he's a fullback and he would just power over people I don't know if he's a basketball player where Q you know, he's taller than a lot of us. So, you know, and I'm not a basketball player. So, I you know No, you're not. We haven't included you in this mix. Are you insulted? No, or you just well, know who you are well, and you're, you're cool is, with this. The thing is, I was told that I wasn't included because I have a bum knee. I, I, I wouldn't have had a problem if they said, "Well, no, he's he's a short white dude. He's probably clumsy because I can't." That's the one I can't play basketball. I can, I can, I can write about it. I could be the reporter covering this game. <laughs> you're not covering for, the for, game. For Stop. Our website. We're not. We're not lining up. We're not lining up people. If, if we can get a, if we can get a softball team or some flag football going once the knee, uh, once the meniscus is cleaned up, I'm down. But basketball, I'm out. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I know you won't have time to watch any TV tonight. Maybe tomorrow, but uh, highly recommend. I'm looking forward to both of these. Um, E60 and a 30 for 30 on ESPN. 
featuring two of the more lousy people in sports yeah. of the 20th century in Greg Norman and especially Joe Paterno. As I told people last week, if you read the story about the Penn State rapist in 1978, Joe Paterno is exactly who a lot of us thought he was. His behavior with Jerry Sandusky that a lot of us suspected was delivered with this 1978 football rapist. Uh, the Paterno legacy is on right now. I'm sure they're going to replay it a bunch of times. And then Greg Norman, that should be a really good 30 for 30. Yeah, I'll watch both of them. And I'm, I'm sure that we'll be able to pull it up on the, on, the, on the app or something. But it definitely will be something that sports fans should watch. No doubt. Uh, keep an eye on it. We'll see what happens with VGK tonight. We're back tomorrow to uh, break it all down right here on Cofield and Company. Come on, Knights. Win. I got you in a parlay. <laughs>